Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host Colt Molesky, and we've got a we've got a special treat. He's off of the injury report. We've got Corey DLG back with us for another episode. We also have, of course, producer Nico. We got the whole gang back together. It's been a minute since we recorded all all together, but I tell you what, it's good to have everyone back on the same call. Woo! How is everybody? You know what? We're through election season as a, a reporter. It's good to be through election season. We're through about halfway of the NFL season. And I tell you what, we're feeling good. It's always it's always fun to get to that point when you're a couple of weeks away from Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. So it's, it's a good time of the month. That seems like a very Wisconsin thing to say. So I, I buy that. I buy that you love Thanksgiving. <laughs> How could you not? It's football and just... Copious amounts of good food. Oh, you like you like the food that they make. Okay, that makes sense then. <laughs> uh, you're not one of those people that dislikes Thanksgiving food, um, are you? I don't like turkey. I don't like cranberry. I don't like most people's dressings or stuffings or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, it's a list. This is it's a list. For us. There's a list. This is. You know what? We can we'll we'll discuss this in depth when we get closer to Thanksgiving. But this is this is egregious. To quote him and him, I got a list, and here's I'm the order gonna, that it's in. I'm not gonna forget any of this. Just, I'm marking it all down. But I'm glad to have you back on this show. I uh, ahead of a really really interesting game. But before we get to that, how how are you guys doing? How are are the brothers doing? Man, I. I guess it just—it's hard to find out you're getting old, because that's what happened to me. We uh, we did a charity event last weekend, and we stayed up 25 plus hours of gaming, and I slept all day Sunday, and Monday I still woke up, like with a bad throat from it. Like I just—I'm getting old, man. I can't stay up 30 hours anymore. Just instantly yeah. sick. <laughs> oh, did you stay up 30 hours? You're sick now. Like it's just. Uh. <laughs> Out of commission for six it, days. It was, it was, you know, and that was the weird part. It was Sunday, I was fine, and then Monday, Monday, it was trouble. Like Monday, when I woke up, I was like, "Well, I'm miserable." 
even the uh, even the disease, the the cold. Yeah, was it, on a delay. it was too lazy to show up on time. Also, like it was it was impressive. It was impressive. <laughs> and then, but I'm sure Young Nico just bounced right back. Oh, Nico. <laughs> Nico put in another 30 hours of gaming, I think, in between then and this episode. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. The man's the man's a machine. <laughs> what what you what you don't actually know, Colt, is on the day what day Wednesdays. I guess not now, now he has a class scheduled, but before this class started for him, he would he would go gaming with his buddies. So when we were recording, it would be even later than our usual time. So Nico's a party animal. You just don't know it kind of energy we need that's the kind of energy that the texans are going to need going into a tough game against the giants we're going to talk all about this matchup versus the giants of course we're going to make some picks before we get to all that though you know who also made an appearance back this week is uh brandon cooks he was back he was limited in practice due to his wrist but he was back so what do we well and also Damian Pierce he's nursing a chest shoulder injury but what do we make of this are are we expecting full go the the hatchet has been buried for at least the next couple of weeks Brandon Cooks or are we expecting some sideline weirdness in the return um i i actually think there's still going to be some sideline weirdness he he went on you probably didn't catch this, or maybe you did. I don't know. He went on. He went on some some radio shows and some podcasts, and and, and finally started speaking to the media. And he he he, he wasn't like T O out there, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't conciliatory at all. So. Uh, he was one, pretty candid, huh? Yeah, so here's one of the quotes. For me personally, I just at the end of the day want to win and compete now. That's been my thought process. I mean, this is not going to be a guy who's happy with the performances <laughs> of of the Texans the next few weeks. If that's the the methodology or the mindset is to win. Yeah, I I mean, if you if you're going to if you're at week yeah, if you're at week nine and already making comments, like you gotta, you gotta watch, you gotta ways to go, man. So the rest of the comment apparently is, "I was frustrated, absolutely. I want to win. That's not the case. That's what's going on. That's the way I expressed my emotion. I think we all want to win. We're all frustrated in some sense. That's some of it. But like I said, as far as going into depth, I'm going well, to keep that internal." But he's not doing anyone any favors and at I that mean, point. Like, it's clear that this team wants to win because there's a difference between a team that's just sleepwalking through a season and a team that's actually giving effort. Like They're in pretty much all these games, even if there's that talent disparity. I, I think that there's probably... I, I feel like there's probably a little bit of a, a ring-chasing mindset maybe with, with Brandon Cooks, just a little bit, and... I get that's an NBA thing. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it's just a, a playoff chasing. If you're in the NFL, you just hope to get to the playoffs and then you go from there. But whatever it is, he definitely wants to be on a team that's pursuing uh, a championship or pursuing Super Bowl aspirations versus this rebuilding team. I think that's just going to be tough for him to kind of get over the whole season. 
I think that's just gonna kind of hang over hang over him and the relationship between him him in this franchise, especially when it really felt like they were really close to moving him on the deadline. Well, and here's the thing. This is my pet peeve. This is something that just drives me crazy is when players aren't honest about a situation, you know? So like he's sitting here saying like, well, I just want to win and blah, 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 blah. Well, there's two problems. Here's two reasons why no one traded for you, you know, First of all, you only have 350 yards this season, so it's been eight weeks. Like you, because he missed one game, so I guess he played in seven games and he has 350 yards. Yeah, no one's no one's giving up anything for a guy who gets 50 yards a game. And also, next year he is set to make 18 million dollars, fully guaranteed. He didn't offer to tear that up or anything to trade teams, you know. So, I. They're trying to win. They're playing close. But, yes, there's, they're going to be a year or two away from from being a team where you're supposed to go. They can win every week. So, yeah, he's going to have a hard time. But I, I guess it's kind of what I've been saying the whole time. He signed the contract, so I don't really feel bad for yeah, playing Yeah, and I mean, coach. I don't know. I guess you could, to play devil's advocate when he was joining the team and they had Deshaun this team was going to be in the mix, you know, in a, a weird AFC South where I get, I get the Colts were better than as well, but it looked like they were definitely going to be in the mix every year. And then obviously we know how the last couple of years went. Now they're in rebuild mode. So maybe he's looking around the room and saying, you know, this was a team that seemed like it was going to be constantly, at least in the playoff conversation to a team that's going to be rebuilding the next few years. I don't want to be a part of that. And that's not what I signed up for. Uh, if you're playing devil's advocate from Brandon Cook's side of things, uh, but again, to your point, it's a steep dollar amount for a receiver that you're trying to move pieces for already to to move pieces for him, and then also have to to pay that price tag, especially next year, if you're a team grabbing that that contract to to pay what his contract is, the 18 million that's pretty tough if you're trying to trade and there was still even teams looking for him. And it sounds like they just couldn't come to an agreement. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting there to not be the Houston Rockets, James Harden level of checked outness, but I could see some like probably some more subtweeting happening or maybe some like, shots to the sideline where it's just kind of Brandon Cook standing off by himself while like Davis Mills is huddled up with receivers, that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm sure he's going to be the cranky old man. I, I, I don't doubt that. My, th- I, I, just to get, just to kind of make my point, I understand. I agree that the team was good when he signed the extension. I just, if you, if the team is good when you get there and now it's bad and you want off, did you tear up the $18 million guarantee? I I promise you the Texans could have gotten whatever they wanted for a Brandon Cooks that didn't have $18 million guaranteed to him next year. That was the problem. Because nobody wants, nobody wants to give up anything of value for a Brandon Cooks that they have to give $18 million to next year. So... Yeah, we didn't, you're right, we didn't trade them when there were offers on the table, but those offers were were low balls because of the because of the money. So if he really wanted out, 
he would have given up the money. But Brandon Cooks wants this both ways. And I think that's sort of my that's my issue with that. Like you you could tell I'm trying to think who it was. There was a there was a center who signed with the Browns a few years back. And he literally before training camp, he asked them to release him again and he gave back the signing bonus. Like you don't have we don't have to go to arbitration. You don't have to fight me for it. Here's the two million you gave me a month ago. Have it back. Release me. Let me. I. I don't. I don't want to be a Brown. And they did. They turned around and said, "Yeah, no, that's fine. Thank you. You know. All right. Cool. Best of luck." There's a really easy way for Brandon Cooks to get out of Houston. He just didn't want to give up that eighteen million dollars. Is it possible that Houston overplayed their hand and was asking for too many draft picks? Because I get eighteen million is a lot for a receiver who's not going to be your number one. But also, receiving contracts, I mean, high tide rises all ships, right? And the receiving contracts went through the roof over the summer this last offseason. So there is a possibility where it might not be the dollar amount attached to him next year, even though he's probably going to be somebody's two or three. It could be that the Houston Texans were overplaying their hand and he's the one asset that they were fine moving from because all their other assets are young players they want to keep around and they tried to go for too many picks and the the trade was actually too rich for people's blood not the contract because of those receiver contracts getting buoyed in the offseason to these crazy number bolstered to these crazy heights that we saw when you get the Christian Kirk number, you get the Tyreek Hill number, all these guys signing monster deals. It could be that Houston tried to overplay their hand. Maybe, potentially. Um I mean I mean perhaps, but they kind of are in the driver's seat in that regard for this particular trade because well I don't, I don't hmm. here's the thing. While we in Houston love that Brandon Cooks has what well, six out of seven thousand yard seasons, something along those lines, I I he's about to be next year. He would be ten years in the game. Not a lot of ten year wide receivers were getting you know two hundred million dollar contracts then. So if you were a free agent next year, what what kind of salary would he command? Probably short of $18 million. I don't think he would get it. I think the reason he got it from us and got it fully guaranteed is because when we had Deshaun Watson, we wanted to have a couple of guys, him and Will Fuller, who could just streak down the sidelines and always put pressure on the defensive safeties. Um, you know, that that's not the case now. And so while in our structure, in our system, it probably would have paid off having him and having him at the $18 million didn't hurt us. Another team has zero interest in, in having him at $18 million if they have to give up anything of real value. My understanding is the Cowboys were interested, but that they weren't coming up, I think it was like a fifth or sixth rounder is what I'd heard. And the Texans felt like Brandon Cooks was worth a third rounder, which I, I, I think is pretty accurate he's been traded three times four times and it's always been a first or a second so i i don't i don't know i i just feel like that 18 was the albatross that that kind of when you're evaluating what you would give up to get him and what you're gonna have to deal with next year to have him you're stuck with him on the roster no matter what he does the rest of this year 
that's not necessarily an appealing thing to the the team that's going to onboard them. So I, I did they ask for too much? Perhaps, but they were kind of in the driver's seat in that situation because if the worst thing that happens is they have to keep the guy that they weren't sure they wanted to get rid of anyway, okay, you know? That's fair. And it, it'll be, like we mentioned, interesting to see if, if it kind of stays melodramatic or something like that on the, the sideline or if this is something where he's back now and he's going to put in an effort throughout the rest of the season to try and put this behind him and maybe make himself a, a more attractive prospect for a trade come the offseason. That'll, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. I uh, I did want, before we get to the Giants, I did want to get your take on the other thing that we're going to keep a close eye on throughout the rest of the season, which is interim head coach Jeff Saturday taking over the reins for the Colts. I know that Nico and I talked about this extensively, so I'm not going to get too into it, but I did want to hear your thoughts on that. I'm sure you have an opinion. So, obviously, I... I... I didn't think Frank Reich was long for the NFL. I, I didn't think he was he was going to be the head. I didn't think he was going to make it through the season. I think we, I think the last couple weeks I had said that I'm surprised they haven't fired him yet. He's definitely on the hot seat, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I do think I, – I, I heard a, a Colts reporter on the radio kind of had an interesting idea to this. He's not coming in – to take over and be the new head coach. Now, keep in mind the Texans did almost do the same thing with Josh McCowan. Josh McCowan had zero head core, uh, head coach or coordinator experience at all, and he was days away from being the head coach here in Houston uh, until Brian Flores sued the NFL and accused the Texans of being racist. And then within a few days, we hired Lovey Smith, who was on our staff and we didn't even interview when we were looking at Josh McCowan. So... Keep in mind, we almost did the same thing. But I did hear a Colts reporter who said something kind of interesting, which is Jeff Saturday is a player's kind of guy, and what they want is they want to take the temperature of the locker room. They've got an offensive play caller. They've got a defensive play caller. What they want is somebody who can keep the locker room together and keep the players focused on the rest of the season and then kind of go from there. So if you think of this as an audition for Jeff Saturday – and sort of this structure of football, because there are head coaches who don't call the plays. Um, I'm intrigued to see how it works starting this weekend, but I, I kind of like the idea of him coming in, knowing he's the interim, knowing he just has this season, to kind of see if he can get the locker room to come together and rally up. But I do think this is a little bit ridiculous. It, it reminds me a little bit of Deion Sanders in Jackson State. Now, I recognize that that wound up being a massive success, and he's stealing players from SEC schools, and he's creating a culture like no other. But when it was announced, it felt silly a little bit. And I, and I think that's kind of the same thing. Is This sounds really dumb. But perhaps there's a chance that it's actually a really good idea. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by this because the NFL doesn't normally do this. Now, I will say this. If it works, 
he won't be the last guy hired. In no, this it's it's a hugely copycat league. So if it works, we're gonna see we're gonna have a, a slew of really horrible hires for like three years afterwards. It's gonna be an absolute mess. <laughs> well, for forever. I mean, that's I mean, it's the Sean McVay thing. Like the NFL still hasn't stopped hiring twenty nine year old head coaches. Yeah. Well, it, again, McVay. it's a copycat league. It, it will be interesting. We'll be tracking it closely throughout the rest of the season. I can assure you of that. All right, let's get to the. Uh, what was that? So I didn't. Well, I have one question. I didn't get to listen to the episodes. Which one of you uh, said Corey was uh, right? Right about I just, what? I'm, I'm just curious. Exactly. Yeah, about Frank Reich. <laughs> I don't think, like, after two weeks, I don't think anybody thought that Frank Reich was going to herald his way through the rest of the season. I don't know if you can take credit for for everything you say if, I if definitely, some of the things are obvious. I definitely said the. Uh, you were like, they're not going to fire him. And I said, they, I don't think he makes it through the season. I'm you pretty sure that I said season. I wouldn't fire a first-year head coach in the first season. Uh, we got it on tape. We'll check the tape. But I'm pretty sure you said that you Feel you free to fire check Frank the Reich tape. at the end of the season. You're more than, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> Listen to some of those shows. Listen to some of the shows this week. It's good stuff. Uh, I have to give you a hard <laughs> before time. We, before we get to the, the G-Men and the Texans, <laughs> let's hear from some sponsors, Corey. Uh, let me tell you about the Adventure Begins Stadium. It is awesome. It is family-friendly, well-lit, clean, well-staffed. It's run by a bunch of smart, wonderful people. It's right there on 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130 in Conroe, Texas. It's the Marcel Town Center. Nico and I go there for all of our nerd stuff, the Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more. And if you just walk your happy self right up the stairs, you wind up at the Adventure Begins Stadium, where they sell all kinds of great sports memorabilia, sports trading cards, and things of that nature. Uh, you got to go check it out, man. It's great. If you're listening to this show and you enjoy sports, why don't you want sports memorabilia, and why aren't you buying it from the Adventure Begins Stadium? Uh, right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130 in Conroe, Texas. Also... It's never a good idea to drink and drive, but what if you've had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs. Someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has 100 hours of hands-on instruction and a lab learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist, because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asin is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asin Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297, or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. So I've got a hunch for, for this game. The Houston Texans on the road in New York to play the Giants. I've got a hunch for this game. I think that Saquon Barkley sniffs the 200-yard mark. I think he's in the. I think he's probably going to be in the vicinity of 200 yards. And um, I know he's dealt with injuries over his career. Has he ever had 200 yards? I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just curious. I believe he did it in his uh, 
what was that his sophomore campaign the the year that he ran for was sixteen hundred yards. Uh, okay, I'm I'm looking now. I'm kind of pulling it up. I'm curious because that is you might I, be right. Honestly, the way we play defense, I know I'm that just, I'm just interested now. The Eagles Go were on, supposed to be the team that ran for like three hundred yards against this Texans front, and the really hideous gaping holes in their zone coverage for uh, for their receivers for the Eagles receivers kind of almost like Jedi mind tricked the Eagles into passing more than maybe they should have because it felt like they could get eight yards every time they ran the ball <laughs> and they ended up going back to pass more than I think most people expected there's going to be nothing that happens like that in this Giants game They're, they have absolutely no reason or desire to pass the ball a ton. They run all sorts of big eye formations and big uh, power formations and heavy sets and throwing extra linemen in, and they're throwing their tight ends right up against the the line to help with the run scheme. And they're they're going to want to run the ball. They're even when it's their quarterback doing it, they love running the ball, and so. This, the Texans can dare to dare them to pass by loading the box and all sorts of stuff. And I think that the Giants are going to keep pounding the the ball right at that front. I think this game is going to feel a lot like that Tennessee Titans game where it's going to be ugly. It's going to be maybe a little closer because there's not going to be a ton of points scored. It's going to be uh, just, uh, just a rock fight. But... I don't think it's ever going to feel like the Texans ever have control because I think that the Giants are going to be able to dictate how this game is played right from the jump. Yeah, I Yeah, I don't think they're going to stop them at all. I, I, that part I don't argue with. I do think they're going to keep it close, though. I think they're going to be able to, you know, it, it takes him 12 plays to run down the field and then we, we take six plays to go up the field kind of a thing. Um, I... I I think it'll be close. I don't think it's going to be close, though, because the Texans are playing exceptionally well. I think it's going to be close just because it's going to be a slog of a game. And so you're going to – people who don't watch, I think, will look at the score of like a 17-10 to 10 or like 19-12 to, to 12 game and go, oh, you know what? They kind of – they hung in there in a gritty game when really it was – just <laughs> Barkley running all over them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're right. So this year, except for one game, uh, it looks like the Giants have been with – all of their games have been within one score. So he's had a really good year and he's dominated, and that hasn't really translated to them pulling away from anybody. Uh, okay, so I checked it out. His rookie campaign, he put up a game of 170 yards against the Washington – Back then they weren't, but now the Washington Commanders. And his sophomore campaign, 189 yards against the Washington Commanders. So they probably are a little afraid of him. Uh, and we should be too. I, I don't So I, I was I was on the I was on the Giants podcast for Vox Media. I, I did an interview with them this morning and they were asking, like, how how what, how could the Texans win this game? And my honest answer was, if Saquon Barkley stubs his toe and doesn't go, like, 
<laughs> um, I said the Texans can can play close competitive football, but when we face top fifteen running backs, that's that's our kryptonite this year. Like we haven't stopped any any running back of any skill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How much does it worry you that there's a limitation with Damian Pierce this week in practices? I don't want to overblow something that it isn't, but it's always weird when they do the hockey injury thing. You know where in hockey they just say – they don't say what it is. They just say, oh, it's a lower body injury. It's yeah. weird that they're doing like – it's a chest, shoulder, your entire upper body. I don't like that they're not being specific. I don't love that he's missing practices even though – uh, it feels like everybody, like on Wednesdays, it feels like nobody in the NFL practices anymore. You don't typically see that from a rookie. Uh, so if he's, if they can't kind of go toe for toe with really long drives for the, uh, with the Giants, I mean, you really want to, if your defense is out there for 15 plays and they ran 14 of them, you need to get a couple of first downs to give your defense a break. If there's a couple of times in this game where they have to play back-to-back seven-minute drives, it's going. To, that's the that's the scenario where it gets ugly quick. But you're right. I don't see either one of these teams putting up oodles of points in a normal scenario. Right, right. Um, am I concerned a a little bit? I'm surprised that they haven't been listing his back as hurting from carrying this offense for. Six weeks. Though. I think that was just assumed. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is sort of the Tom Brady thing, though. If you remember, for about three years in New England, there was something kind of wrong with his elbow. So every week they would list him as questionable with his elbow because they would limit him in practice. Um, and he would still play every Sunday, and he didn't wear a sleeve. And if you asked him, he said he felt fine. So I. I I, I wonder if there's a bit of that where he's just running so hard that he's picked up a little bit of wear and tear and the Texans are just resting him. But in the NFL, if you rest a player from practice, you have to have a reason. And he's not a healthy scratch, so they just list shoulder chest. I mean, there's no way I he's mean, not I mean, that could be. Up. I'm sure that if you play running back in the NFL, uh, we're, we're in week 10 now officially. I'm sure everybody's shoulder and chest. If you're a running back, hurts, uh, and you're trying to you're trying to get him some rest. I I guess that it could be that we're just overblowing it. I'm sure everybody's a little. Well, no, everybody is a little banged up at this point. We should be we should be at least a little nervous just because he is our entire offense, and I don't mean 
the offense mm. predicates on him like, oh, when we play action, we can go downfield because of him. But no, he is the reason we, we, we move the ball and score points. So if for some reason he can't go, we absolutely should be concerned. Um, it kind of makes me feel like, so in my fantasy football team, I drafted Jonathan Taylor with my number my, my first round pick. Uh, I picked early, I think maybe even number one. And this whole season, the Colts have been yo-yoing him. Healthy, not healthy, questionable, not questionable. He played one week, then he doesn't play the next week. And, and there's no way that helps them. Obviously, their head coach got fired and lost his job. And part of that was because they're not handling any of the situations correctly. So, yeah, I mean, if Damian Pierce needs to not practice during the week but can still be Damian Pierce on Sunday, then let's do it. Uh, if they need to rest him as awful of a week as that'll be for a game, then by all means rest him. There's there's nothing to gain by burning this guy out over the next two years when we're terrible. This would be a game, too, where you'd really love to see him get like 20 to 30 even maybe carries. This defense for the Giants is not really that good against the run. They're ranked 24th in yards allowed. And so they, they will definitely give up some yards to opposing running backs. They're allowing 161.5 yards to opposing rushers. So there's if he is healthy, there's going to be yards to be had. And that's, that's going to be key in extending those drive times, helping out your defense, and giving yourself a, a shot in this game. Uh, because if it's just Davis Mills going back to – Going back to pass against the defense, that could that could be very problematic for the uh, for the Texans since their Giants secondary against the pass ranks ninth in the NFL. So very different switches. Uh, a, little, a little like the uh, the Texans when you're going from your run defense to your pass defense. Very different for the Giants. And if if it's a situation where it's all on the shoulders of Davis Mills. This is one of those games where that would be even more brutal than usual. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I do have. Let me let me ask you this: uh, uh, an interesting thought because you mentioned this that they're twenty fourth against the run. So if they're so bad against the run, doesn't it give you a little bit of hope that maybe you you put Damian Pierce on a on like a really limited pitch count, fifteen to twenty carries total, and you just go, okay, we're gonna we're gonna work in a we're gonna work in old Rex for the rest of it. the drives that they've had Rex play on for the most part have not done very well. True. But we're we're playing. They seem to get cute. Right. Right. Now here's the thing. We're finally playing a team who, who also doesn't stop the run. So you're right. They do tend to overthink it when they put in Rex. What I would like to maybe see is just run Damian Pierce plays just straight up inside dives and stuff like that. But just run them with Rex and just see if you can get the same three or four yards that you need. If they're doing that, it's fine. But they are really obsessed with making him a James White yeah. for this team. Yeah. It seems when he's in. You're there. not wrong. And I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can get away from that. Yeah, they 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 definitely use him in like. It's almost like they're telling the defense it's not going to be a handoff, but we're still going to come to the running back. Watch them when they put him in. They they do a lot of like out of motion or all of a sudden he's alone in the backfield or he runs some sort of L route into the middle of the field by himself. 
he tends it. They tend to do these things where they're obviously trying to get him the ball instead of just handing it to him because he's the running back. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very strange. I have a question for you. All right. Is this the worst matchup that the Texans have played because of how this team has performed in the fourth quarter versus how the Texans perform in the fourth quarter? Hmm. No, because the Giants, when they've when they've turned it on in the fourth quarter, and they have fourth quarters have been their fourth quarters have been great. They've been doing that because they're behind. So. I'm sort of of the opinion that if they're behind, it's maybe by one score. More than likely, though, they'll be ahead. And as the Texans have shown you time and time again, playing with the lead is very different than playing from behind. And in your when you say that out loud, you go, well, yeah, duh, you just run it, and they have Saquon Barkley, so it's real, real easy. Yes, except you have to be able to run it when the teams know you're definitely going to run it. And while we're not great at stopping the run, we have been able to force fourth downs before. So I don't know that I'm all that concerned. Like, I don't think they're going to score 20 points in the fourth quarter or anything like that. Because I don't think we're going to be up 17. You know what I mean? No, I, I don't think it's anything like that. I just think, like, if you're going into the third quarter and it's 7-6... to six, yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned about that. This is the worst that. team for them to play because this is the best team in the fourth quarter, whereas you could point to maybe the Eagles and say, oh, that team is just really polished. That was the worst matchup. Or, oh, the uh, the Raiders was the worst matchup. Or the, the Chargers because of how good those quarterbacks performed against a defense that was really going to open up some gaps in that zone for them. When really, just in how this team acts and the, the way this team carries itself through a game, just the very fabric of this team seems to kind of melt in a fourth quarter <laughs> and the exact opposite the Giants turn into Kevlar in the fourth quarter this seems to be the worst there's no chance they can win because there's no way that they can close out a game against a team that constantly closes out yeah I I, I think like I said I think they'll be playing ahead and I think having the lead is just so so different in the NFL that I think even they might be kind of looking around going, Oh, Oh, what do we do? We're, we've never been in the lead this early in the fourth quarter. Um, so I, I do, I do think that there's kind of an opportunity for them to just mentally let up because they're not going to be okay. We need two scores and we only have two timeouts. So we, everything has to break our way. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I do think that we owe it to everyone to play this out. What does it take to win? What does it take to win? I have a scenario for you, Corey. Do you want to go first, or you want? Uh, to I mean, I kind of already gave my. It, it involves Saquon Barkley leaving the game very very early. Because I'm also reading is is I have one that is Daniel Jones that. not playing this game. Why do I see a headline that says? Why Fulgham is taking the Giants over the Texans. Oh, okay, never mind. I guess he's a commentator. Okay, all right. I was like, is... It could be Fulgham <laughs> passing back there. I think it, I don't think it would matter. I think they'd probably have the same amount of passing attempts 
they either, might. either way. Uh, here's here's the scenario. Here's the scenario. All right. And again, I'm not tossing out anything I just said. I think the Giants are okay. winning this game. But just to game it out, just for the, the sake of doing it, the Texans in turnovers as a defense rank 15th, right in the middle of the road, not crazy good, but right in the middle of the road for the NFL in turnovers, which is is not terrible for a team with only one win. If you're shortening a game, both teams running the ball, that shortens the game, fewer drives, fewer allowances for mistakes, and this team has been able to get pressure on quarterbacks, has been able to get some fumbles, has snagged some interceptions, if you can get a late mistake that you can capitalize on, it's going to put a lot of pressure. And again, this Giants team does very well in the fourth quarter, so that might not even be enough. But if you're able to shorten the game and all of a sudden it's a one possession, you're hanging around, hanging around, the game's going by quick, and all of a sudden Daniel Jones throws an interception and now all of a sudden the Texans are on the Giants 20 with six minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. In that scenario, that's that's the way that it has to go down for them to even have a shot at winning it. That has to be the scenario, which is not crazy, but also the Giants have shown that they are not afraid of just, just not having Daniel Jones throw in a fourth quarter. And everybody knows they're going to run, and it still works out fine because they're so good at running the, the ball, and they've got a really great system, all sorts of pulling guards and tight ends going over and centers pulling out and pulling – through to left side, right side. They've got an amazing running back. Their quarterback is really good at running the ball. So there might not even be the opportunity for it. But that has to be the scenario, I think, if the Texans are even going to sniff a shot at victory. Yeah, I I don't think it's impossible to, to, to take the ball away from this Giants team. So I do agree with what you're saying, that if there's a late turnover – all of a sudden we're cooking with Crisco. I, I think you're right. Like, I think we, we would be in a good position there. Um, to me, I think the more interesting possibility is, is the one where for whatever reason, because they're in the lead and they're not used to it, that they just take their foot off the gas. So all of a sudden we're able to go downfield on the two minute drive type of situation. All of a sudden we're able to move up and down with ease because everyone they're in the prevent shell with seven minutes to go. You know, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, they kind of just shift gears into neutral because they're not used to, to being up in the fourth quarter. Um, so, I, I, could, I could see possible scenarios where we win. I just don't feel like they're that likely. But I do think we'll be close in, in, a, in a nice little heavyweight fight. Oh, I don't, I don't think they're that likely either. I'm just laying out yeah, a scenario. Because, yeah, you know... We got the mics That's on. That's true. We might as well if, do if, it. if if we woke up Sunday afternoon in the universe where they won the game, I wouldn't be blown away. I would be pretty shocked. I gotta be uh, honest. I, I I see you know twenty to thirty percent chance that they could win. I, I'm not optimistic. I don't think they will. But I mean, one in three. If if we play this game a hundred times, I think the Texas probably will win it somewhere between twenty and thirty times. I think the Giants are really well coached. They have a very clear identity of who they are. And 
I don't think that the Giants have any games they look over because they're competing with the Eagles and the Cowboys to try and get a wild. Well, and I also, I also think uh, because obviously the Eagles are going to run right. away with this division, but they still they still have a shot at wild card spot. But the Cowboys are still good, and so I don't I don't think there's games where they overlook a team to get to next week. I think they they kind of need every single win to keep pace with a couple other teams in division. I just. I, I would be really surprised if the Texans won this game, and that would say a lot about the the grit and coaching of that t- of this team. If they're able to pull out a fourth quarter against a team that has pulled out numerous fourth quarters this year, uh, I I would I would be very surprised. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's a, that's a good point. That's a possibility. Um, yeah, they have the Lions after us, and then the Cowboys. So if they were going to look over a game, it would probably be the Lions game next week. Um, but yeah, I just I, I feel like there's an element agree. that they that they're while they are playing so great. Again, they're just a, I think they're just kind of a gritty team because one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, so out of eight games. Only one of them was was an actual pull away where Seattle beat them 27-13. Before that, though, you know, they won 23-17 against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 24-20 against the Ravens, 27-22 against the Packers. They're in all these just close games, 20-12 against the Bears, 23-16. So it's not like they've figured out how to to dominate teams. I think they're just a a really gritty, hard-to-put-away team. And that's why I think if they were coasting a little bit, they would kind of screw it up because they, they haven't been comfortable in any game. No, I mean, maybe maybe the Texans can lull them asleep a little bit through three quarters, but... <laughs> <laughs> if there's if there's anyone who can lull you to sleep with their style of football that's, play this season, that's true. it that's is the, the best Texans. argument for it, I've heard. Uh, let's, let's, let's get to some picks here. Before we do that, Corey, <laughs> let's hear from a sponsor one more time. All right, it's time to trade in your masks for face masks, load up the hoppers, and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone has you covered, literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead, Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great, low-impact, family-friendly experience, and if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code BATTLEREDSPLAT. So go to their website, uh, reserve some space, and use the code BATTLEREDSPLAT, and you'll save 5% off your total right there. Um, check them out at 11260 Hempstead. That's Splat Zone Indoor. So we have for the spread, the Giants are favored by 4.5 points in that weird Vegas gray zone. And then the over-under is 40 and a half. Ooh, yeah, that's... Oh, uh, wow. It's kind of, it's all, it's all different now. When I was with the, uh, when I was on the Giants podcast this morning, the Giants were minus six. Uh, so I guess there's been some movement. I, I hate that number. I hate that. Um, number. I'm going under, first of all, just under yeah, four and a half under, I feel four like. and a half is a mess. Easy. Yeah, I really half? think this game is going to end up like 16 to 10. Something okay, like okay. that. I think it's going to be that 
17, 10, uh, 19, 13, that kind of weird range in there. I don't think either team cracks 20. Of the eight games the Giants have played, three would have broken 40 and a half. I, I think that this game, I really think that this game takes on the uh, the Tennessee game. And I get that they had a, a new quarterback in, in, in Malik Willis. I get that. But I just think that it's going to be just them churning out yards on the mm. ground uh, and kind of two teams kind of wandering back and forth in between the 20s. Uh, and, and I think that there's just going to be the differences. There's going to be a lot more field goals. I think that they're, both these teams are going to realize that it's not going to take a lot of points to put uh, the other team away. And I think that they're going to be happy grabbing three whenever they, they are in field goal range. Hmm. The four and a half, I'm okay. not sure what to okay. do with. <laughs> yeah, the four and a half, is, that's crushing me. Because when I was getting six, I said, okay, I think the Texans cover the six. I don't know that they cover the four and a half. Like, you know what I mean? Like, That's like right in the middle of what I want to do there. Also, that's really kind of saying that the Giants are no good. How disrespected do you have to be to only get a point and a half at home? against us i mean the way that teams have covered bad teams have covered this year i can see a bunch of money moving the line i don't know if that's necessarily disrespect i think that might be people moving the line a little bit betting on a, a team that has been in a lot of close games and seeing nearly a touchdown against a team that has closed out games in the fourth quarter and saying you know what I'll grab it and say this game ends three, four point difference. I don't know if that's disrespect so much as just people seeing yeah, the, I, the I, trends I, with uh, with some of these numbers. And that's probably fair. Both of these organizations all year have played close games. So six, six. I mean, when he said minus six, I was like, really? And that's just been the trend so, too. Unders, yeah. And, I, I, uh, I can and the the big spreads, the, the spreads that are seven points, in a wonky year, those ones have been, you know, have been covering. And, and you have teams like, I don't know, like the Falcons starting out uh, where they're covering all sorts of spreads. You have, uh, like, the uh, teams like the, uh, what's it, the Panthers who are, are hitting for, for betters. And so... If you get some of these spreads that balloon up in some of these games uh, that don't make any sense or some of these road bad teams that people are just going to throw into their, their parlays because they're a bad team on the road and all of a sudden it's a three-point game, I, that's happened a lot this year. And so I, I think that people are just going to – they kind of are automatically grabbing those ballooning numbers a little bit. Yeah, I think you might be right. Um Okay, I think I think what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take the Giants in the four and a half, and I'm going to take the over. Okay, all right, all right, I'll. Because uh, I, I just I see a, a, a twenty-seven twenty 
24-17 kind of a game. Yeah, I mean, if Saquon Barkley is, is breaking stuff loose, if they are playing well in the red zone, you could see them starting to find so, some touchdowns, especially the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna I'll go Giants minus four and a half, and I'm gonna take the under. I I think it probably ends like nineteen thirteen, and it's just a fist fight. <laughs> it's just a. It's just a back alley brawl, which I mean isn't out of the realm. It really isn't out of the realm of possibility. Uh, that's these are both two really hard numbers to bet. Uh, Nico, I'm gonna go got? Texans because you have no faith, and uh, I'm still gonna take the under though. I don't think that anyone's gonna score that high. <laughs> I think this will be like like you said, just a just a brutal boxing match. But I feel like for some reason this is a game we're gonna win, unless Damian Pierce doesn't play. That's my one caveat. If he doesn't play, then we are losing this game. <laughs> Okay, are you so? Are you taking us to win, or are you taking us to? Cover? Uh, I'm gonna say win. Oh, look at that! He's got a lot of faith. Nico plus one eighty five. That's the money line. Okay, Nico says take the money line and the under. You yep. said. Okay. All right. All right. We gotta go back and kind of retally these because I don't know where I stand anymore. I feel like I've been one and one for like three weeks in a row. And it's messed up my number a little bit. I know. I feel like I'm hovering like maybe a sh- like a game behind 500. Yeah, I I think I'm still doing well. I think I'm still three or four above 500. But I think the last two or three weeks I went one and one. So I I don't remember what my number is now. I know at one point I was like 12 and five. Or something. Those days so are long gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you're if you're 14 and eight, you're still doing pretty good. You want to, you want to be, you want to be more than one over, right? Right, Colt? Is that the? That's 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 a a good gambling record. If you're 14 and eight, I would yeah. take that. So I, we need, I need to maybe we'll do that this week, and we'll I'll sit down and try and figure out what everybody is based on just our Texas predictions, and then also the ones Nico and I did for the Thursday night games. We'll run up the tally. We'll check it out. We'll we'll report back. That's what I got, folks. That's a uh, that's a good wrap, and hopefully, this game is more entertaining. I felt like we maybe sold the sad game, but <laughs> hey, listen, you gotta watch. You gotta see what happens. If nothing else, to see if Brandon Cooks freaks out on the sidelines. Exactly. That's why you watch is to see the Brandon Cooks reaction. That's why some of us are watching. That's for sure. All right, that's it for us. Hey, you know what? Make sure you're subscribing wherever you listen to this podcast, please. It means a whole lot for us. And it also means that you'll be seeing the next time we post an episode, which will be right after this weekend. We'll come back with a recap from the game on Sunday night. So make sure you're coming back for that. He's the co-host, Corey DLG, producer Nico, and, of course, Colt Molesky. Thanks for tuning in to another Battle Red Radio.